Equal footing with Dove Tuzman. We are on a bit of a COVID special show here. I'm on my second round. Had it back in March, again in quarantine uh, here in uh, in January. But making the best of it, and excited about tonight's show on a subject that is uh, close to my heart. No pun intended. Been a an aspect of of learning and growth and pain, of course. The Alchemy of Heartbreak and Disappointment, that is our topic this week. The science, the psychology, the inner processes of heartbreak, not just in love, but in our work life and our family life, the, the disappointments we confront. Blessed to have a couple of extraordinary people with us on Equal Footing tonight. Christine Hassler is a master coach and facilitator with over 16 years of experience. She's the best-selling author of three books, most recently, Expectation Hangover, Overcoming Disappointment in Work, Love, and Life. Christine is the host of of a top-rated podcast called Over It and On With It. I highly recommend it. It's great, where she coaches people live on the show. She's known globally for her ability to identify what is holding people back and compassionately guide them to clarity. Christine has a master's degree in spiritual psychology and implements elements of NLP, psychology, spirituality, science, and of course her own diverse lived experience into her work. She's appeared on the Today Show, CNN, ABC, CBS, Fox, The New York Times, etc. Christine, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. And we're also joined by your partner in crime, Stefano Sifandos. Steph's philosophy merges the best of Eastern and Western methodologies to promote spiritual balance and empower people in life and love. From trauma release to navigating the murky waters of modern masculinity to helping women understand the men in their lives, Steph helps people escape negative patterns and cultivate a positive sense of self. He's worked with thousands of men and women from all walks of life, special forces soldiers, Olympic gold medalists, elite fighters, and everyday people like you and me have relied on him to restructure and reframe their relationships. Having struggled and successfully healed himself from addiction, childhood trauma, and infidelity, Steph is eager to share the tools and realizations that empowered him to do so. Steph, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, my friend. Thank you for having us. Steph and Christine, you guys, no, no secret, are, are also a couple, and you're so synchronized in the, in the work that, that you do in, in love coaching and relationship coaching that that's, I, I think, from my humble perspective, the, a lot of the power, the difference uh, between the work that you do and, and work that's done elsewhere in this community is doing it as a couple, uh, as, a, as a conscious pairing and working with other conscious pairings. And I've enjoyed your work from afar. Um, I also consider you guys friends as well. And this, I hope, will be a bit of a challenge for you, not in the sense of, of um, 
of creating some sort of straw man, but rather pushing our understanding of the value and the transformation that comes from heartbreak. Because what I've, what I've seen or what I, and what I've heard you guys work on in the past is helping uh, couples in their relationship, in their emotional intimacy, in their sexual intimacy, and in working through, you know, the, the uh, you know, arguments and, and, um, and difficult points in the past. And at the same time, no matter how great a, a pairing, a, 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 a love connection may be at a given point in our life, you guys are blessed to have each other uh, now, I, you know, we've all gone through heartbreak and disappointment. Mm-hmm. And even if we're in fulfilled romantic relationships, we're maybe going through disappointment and, and heartbreak in other areas of our life. So I guess what I want to do tonight is, is challenge you to help those that aren't at a place of, of hope in their, in their love life or in their life in general, aren't at a place of um, trying to make something good better, but are struggling with the abyss, are mm. at really uh, you know, hurting, and, and how, you, how you address those, that, 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 that reality. Christine, you've written a book on it, so obviously... Yes. If, <laughs> uh, first of all, I want to ask, because we were struggling when we were pre-gaming around the show, whether to focus in on love life or have a broader context. Do, do you think that heartbreak is, is really similar, whether it occurs in our love life or other parts of our life, or is it really a universal sensation or universal kind of biomechanics? Yes and no. So I think heartbreak is very similar in terms of the emotions it brings up, the self-criticism it brings up, the belief it brings up, the hopelessness it can bring up, the loneliness it can bring up, no matter what the category, career, losing a loved one, financial difficulty, a business failing, or romantic breakups or heartbreak in that department. But there's something I think especially special about heartbreak in romantic relationships because it's in romantic relationships that usually we show the most of ourselves. We're the most vulnerable. We open up our heart the most. And it's romantic relationships that trigger more than anything our unresolved issues from childhood, the way that we had heartbreak as a child because heartbreak starts young. It doesn't just happen when we're old enough to date. Everyone, well, I'll say almost everyone, had their heart break it broken by a parent at one point or another. A parent abandoned you, a parent hit you, a parent yelled at you, a parent said they were disappointed in you. And so that heartbreak starts soon of feeling like, wow, here's this person that I thought loved me, and now they're not there, or now they're judging me, or now they're angry at me. And so romantic heartbreak can trigger a lot of that. So you're not only dealing with the heartbreak about the person you're breaking up with or having difficulty with, but on some level it's also reminding you of every past heartbreak you've ever had. So we found that, yes, there are similarities with disappointment no matter what the category, but when it comes to love and our love life, that one can sting pretty deep. Steph, you've talked about the programming from childhood as well in in your work. Is Is it the case that we're bound by that irrespective of the instance of disappointment, that it, it has to relate to some sort of early life uh, pain, or is it possible for us to kind of just completely break that bond and I guess in a certain sense, f- 
face each disappointment, disappointment on its own merits? It's another yes and no, and it depends who you speak to. So neuroscience and, and psychologists and psychotherapists and psychiatrists and different schools of thought have a different opinion. However, I'm going to answer your question in a few different ways. So yes, it's intimately linked to our developmental uh, upbringing, what we experienced as children, how we saw the world, how we were treated, how we developed our sense of self, like our, sen- uh, our self-worth, what we valued, what we gravitate towards, what we realized was safe to express and what wasn't. And insofar as we are not aware of those bindings and bondings that we created when we were younger, those patterns will just continue to play out over and over and over again. If we can cultivate awareness of those patterns in a safe environment, that means that our nervous system physiologically feels safe, that that informs our psychology and our perception of self, then we can begin to break those bonds. Do we completely break them? Jury's out on that. I'm not sure completely, but we can change the relationship to those experiences that we've had that are maybe traumatic, that are informing our adult choices. I want to get into the neuroscience for, for a moment. I'm glad you brought that up. First, to participate in this conversation, you can dial 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090. You can participate. You can call yourself out. You can participate anonymously. Either way is fine. You can also text questions to 917-428-4062. That's 917 917- Four two eight four zero six two, and we already have a text question from one of our, our regular listeners, which we'll get to uh, shortly. Okay, let's talk about the neuroscience of heartbreak. Th- this field of love science, and some listeners may think I'm joking about this, but I know Steph and Christine, you know I'm not, is actually been uh, is pretty well evolved and, and began 15, 20 years ago, where you have psychologists and neurologists and anthropologists studying the way that mm. that. that not only that love works um, in terms of the neural pathways and, and, and receptors and, and, um, and hormones, but also the way that, 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 the, that breakups work and, and heartache works. And I wanted to um, mention a study here that I think touches on, on this. It was uh, about uh, 10 years ago, a psychologist Art Aaron and neurologist Lucy Brown and, and an anthropologist Helen Fisher led a multi-year studies, study where they showed images to people of varying cultural backgrounds and ages, a picture of their named beloved, meaning someone that they said was the, the love of their life. However, that was defined. It's unclear in reading the study whether that was a romantic partnership or it could be a, a sibling or a parent or a child, but their named beloved. And when they did, they, they did brain scans on an fMRI machine when shown these images, which maps like a neural activity by measuring the changes in blood flow in the brain. And there were vivid casts of, um, of, of yellows and greens and blues, basically like fireworks that showed that love activates the caudate nucleus. Basically, there's a flood of dopamine that enters the system. And so when we talk about like, I think there's that 80 song addicted to love, you know, it's actually real. There's the same dynamic that you get when you are um, dependent on an upper and a drug that's flooding your system with, with, with dopamine happens as well when, when you have love activation um, in the brain. And, and the caudic nucleus is associated with what psychologists call motivation and goal-oriented behavior, sometimes called the reward system. So you're like, it, it's also what drives addiction. You're constantly needing to reward yourself with that dopamine rush. 
And of course, when you fall out of love or probably more to the point, you're heartbroken and relationship ends when you don't want it to, or God forbid you lose a loved one. It's, it's like a break in the addictive cycle. Now I'm that I'm, I'm putting that purposely in a bit of a cold and analytical way. Um, it, it, it brings it down to the scientific essence. Is that okay? I mean, do, do you guys feel like that's a right read or is, um, is there more to it? Is there, is there a spiritual aspect to love that, that goes beyond you know, a dopamine release in the brain? Yeah, there was a great summary of what's happening in the brain, in the body at a, at a fundamental, foundational, basic level. And, and also to add to that, when we are in love and when we're experiencing that cocktail of emotions, dopamine being one of them, that, that neurotransmitter that plays a, you know, a key role in feeling pleasure and also anticipation, dopamine's an anticipatory hormone. Parts of the brain, um, that are generally used to, um, lighting up that are used in fear and social judgments they're also operating at lower rates as well and so we move then when we move into a breakup we move into this decline of of hormones in our brain and so then that's again you mentioned you know similar to the withdrawing of an addiction to drugs or uh, another um, physical element in our environment so to answer your question what you're speaking to is what's happening in the body when we are in love or when we are caring deeply about someone or when we're obsessed about someone, whatever word you want to put around it, right? When we're feeling really good and the reward system's lighting up. However, is it a cause of that? We still don't know. Mm -hmm. And so I would argue and say that there is a spend, and Christine can speak this a little more, there is a spiritual aspect. There is something else that's just beyond the physical, but that doesn't mean that the physiological is useless or doesn't play a role at all. And if we look at it from a spiritual perspective or just another perspective, we're here as human beings to evolve, to move more into love, less in fear, less in judgment. And one of the purposes of relationship is to help us grow, to help us heal things, to help us move more into love, to look at our own blind spots or our own shadows. You know, usually romantic partners are really good at triggering things in us we need to look at, that we need to transform, that we need to change. And so I do think that there's a a soul or spiritual component to who we attract, that it's not just neuroscience, it's not just hormones, it's not just chemistry. There's there's a soul wisdom or there's an entelechy of the soul that's like, I want to grow, I want to learn, and this person or this relationship is going to help me with that. So I think it's both. I think there's the, the chemical aspect, the more scientific aspect, and then there's the soul aspect and the evolutionary nature of relationships. It sure is um, kind of a splash of cold water to think that maybe it's designed this way so that we, that, that, that the pain, uh, you know, is part of the growth process and we're kind of, we're, we're evolutionarily prepared for, designed for, and should confront heartbreak along the way. I mean, one of the, one of the things that's been fun researching for this, uh, this show this week is looking at the, the positive side. I always force myself to look at, look at the, the, the positive side, the meaning and pain, and how many great uh, artists and, and scientists and poets have referred to heartbreak as their muse. Uh, and even even being able to keep a degree of gratitude and and, and, mm. and real consciousness around the value of of heartbreak. And it's hard to hear 
if you're going through heartbreak and disappointment now, I think probably all of us have an element of that at some some parts of our life at any given moment. Um, but there, you know, there 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 may be something more than just accidentally salutary about it, but something that's kind of meant to be. Absolutely, my whole I wouldn't be sitting here today having a career I love if it hadn't been for heartbreak. So I in in my twenties I was engaged and my fiance broke up with me about six months before the wedding and I was devastated. Suicidal devastated. Um I was shocked, I was embarrassed and ashamed, I was sad, I didn't know what I was going to do and it forced me to take a look at myself. You know, I think a heartbreak, no matter how you slice it, whether you're the one leaving or there's a loss of some kind, or you're the one that gets broken up with, I think getting broken up with is incredibly humbling. And if you're willing to go, all right, I had a role in this, and and take an honest look at yourself, there's so much growth that can come from that. And when I really dove in and said, all right, well, there was a reason that he ended this. It, It wasn't like everything was going great, and then all of a sudden he decided that he didn't want to marry me. There was something... Some way I was showing up, and I didn't take full responsibility because I think both people in any relationship need to take 100% for their 50%. But it did have me question, all right, well, how am I showing up? What do I need to look at? And that investigation got me so into personal development and growth and psychology, and I ended up writing my first book based off of the, the things that I learned from going through that that heartbreak. It was so inspiring once I got through the devastation and for anyone that's in a heartbreak now I mean I know it I especially in the romantic department I had that broken engagement and then I got divorced in my early 30s so I've had quite a fair share of heartbreak and it's been such a learning opportunity and it makes me appreciate my current relationship even more and and each time I've been on my bathroom floor with my heart just hurting tears streaming down my face feeling completely helpless what has been comforting is knowing there's a reason for this. There's a blessing in this. I may not know it now, but this is pulling me toward something. And now I sit and look at my husband, Steph, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, all those heartbreaks were necessary to get to you right. so that my heart could be broken open to the kind of love that I'm experiencing, one, with myself, and two, with him. That's beautiful. And and I think for those listeners that, that feel me feel disconnected from the most dramatic manifestation of the topic of heartbreak and disappointment, which is our topic tonight, there are lots of little heartbreaks, even in the most healthy of relationships. And so if we can learn, I think, also to see those through a constructive lens, it can be it can it can provide nutrition. It can it can help sponsor the relationship in a positive way, as opposed to kind of um, as a, as opposed to kind of chip at it. We're going to be we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back on equal footing with my wonderful guests Christine Hassler and Steph Stefandos. We're talking about heartbreak and disappointment. And just because I don't, I wanted to unload some of these amazing quotes. I'm just going to, before we go to break, read a quote that kind of riffs off what you just said, Christine, around heartbreak having a, a, a can, ha, can have a beautiful purpose. Um, and as George, George Bernard Shaw said, when your heart is broken, your boats are burned, nothing matters anymore. It is the end of happiness, but the beginning of peace. 
So we'll be right back on Equal Footing. Thanks for joining. Equal Footing with Dove Tusman is brought to you by Mechanical Art Capital. Mechanical Art Capital offers financing to watch collectors and watch dealers from anywhere in the world. Unlock the cash value of your watch collection or your inventory if you're a dealer through Mechanical Art Capital's guaranteed buyback contracts. For more information, call 833-209-0972. That's 833-209-0972. Operators are standing by. And Mechanical Art Capital funds are wired to you quickly, discreetly, in two business days or less. Your timepieces are stored in a secure location in Manhattan, New York. You can have your watches back when you're ready. Safe and simple. Contact Mechanical Art Capital at 833-209-0972 or visit them at www.mechanicalart.com. Capital.com. We're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tusman. We're talking about the alchemy of heartbreak and disappointment with my guests this evening, Christine Hassler, the best-selling author of books regarding this topic, Overcoming Disappointment in Work, Love, and Life, Steph Stefandos, who is a love coach and life coach who helps people from uh, work through trauma release and helps uh, on relationship uh, improvement. Guys, I, I wanted to come back to this topic of um, heartbreak as a door opener and speak to the cynic in the audience because when you're in the midst of wrestling with the, uh, the bro- a broken heart, when you have been left, uh, when your hopes have been dashed, you know, it, it feels, it can be the worst type of uh, pain. There is even, there's even evidence of um, physical pain being directly correlated with heartbreak, pain in the chest, pain in the, in the gut. One of the most um, jarring things I read in preparing for this show is that, 80, that, that people that are going through heartbreak uh, are thinking about reuniting with their lost love 85% of their waking time for at least 60 days after the breakup, the time that they've identified as the breakup, which, which really is obsessive. I mean, that's obsessive. We've all been there. So if you're speaking to someone who's in the depths of that, the, the, where you can't see the good that's going to come, come from it, that all you feel is the pain, what do you, what do you say to them, Christine? Oh, goodness. <laughs> First of all, it won't last forever. It won't last forever. Second, one of the things that's so important is to not go into why is this happening from a victim place. I think that when we're in heartbreak, we tend to rehash the past a lot. 
and try to think what could I have done differently? What could have been different? So I don't have to go through this. So moving into acceptance is a really important part of actually healing from a breakup, not just getting through it. Because a lot of people get through a breakup and they just get on to the next thing versus actually healing it. And so moving into acceptance of, I don't necessarily like this, but I'm going to accept it. I'm going to accept the reality of this situation. And then self-love. So whatever we're missing in that partner, this is the hardest thing about breakups. When we have a breakup, we are missing the love, the affection, the company, the compliments, the fun, the creativity, you name it. We're missing that from our partner. And we have to give that to ourselves. We have to learn in heartbreak how to give ourselves what we feel like we lost. That's the key lesson to learn that will make you healthier and will make you attract an even healthier relationship the next time is instead of thinking you lost, so much because this person is no longer in yourself. Think about how you can give yourself what you feel like you're missing from that person. And when you can do that and really be loving and compassionate and a kind partner to yourself, the heartbreak will start to heal. Is that the same staff as accepting you've got terminal cancer or accepting that you are uh, in in a in an in an some sort of uh, a mental health challenge that you 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 don't have the tools to overcome. I mean, what, where where is the line between acceptance and giving up? Well, acceptance is part of the process, and we often confuse acceptance with resignation. And we uh, resignation, and we become apathetic in that space. Right? And I've been there. I think most of us here. I think everyone that's probably listening to this right now I would say very close to everyone has felt the pain of rejection and abandonment and feeling not good enough. I know I have or when I've either broken up with a with a partner or I've done something that hasn't been acceptable by my peers and I've just felt such shame and guilt. It's not until I've accepted my actions. That doesn't mean that I condone my actions. It doesn't mean that I see them as healthy. It just means that I've accepted who I've been, so I cease to keep bringing the past into the present and reliving that moment over and over again. And it becomes this nature-nurture. You know, there's there's generally two camps, generally. It's like everything's either nature or everything's either nurture. Everything's either in our biology and we're destined to be that person or everything's in our environmental conditioning. I think we're a combination of both. And so when we begin to set a very deliberate intention to accept who we've been in order to heal that part of us, accept all of who we are, even the parts of us that we deem to be ugly or not attractive or that we don't like about ourselves. We begin to embrace ourselves. That has a direct effect on our physiology, has a direct effect on how our brains function, how our digestive systems function, our immune systems, our neurology and hormonal activity. We then begin to find what I call intelligent hope and create intelligent hope in our relationships and in our world. But we have to begin with some level of acceptance. You know, I find this, this is really interesting, right? You mentioned something earlier around how we evolve, or, and I'm paraphrasing here, about how we develop our sense of self and how we behave and act in relationships and what's the connection to our childhood. Throughout our whole life, every every waking moment that we uh, engage in, even when we're sleeping. But we are processing 11 million bits 
of information unconsciously and implicitly per second versus 50 to 60 bits of information consciously or explicitly per second. Everything we're absorbing in through, through our sensory experience is being stored in the body, not only in the brain, but in the body. When that event is traumatic, such as a breakup, or we've been conditioned to think we're not good enough, or we've been bullied when we were younger, we had whatever experience we had that was very intense mm-hmm. at a sensory level, and we interpret that as, as either dangerous or unsafe, we're storing that in our body unknowingly. We then bring that unconscious behavior into everything we do as adults. Part of that is the way that we see ourselves. And so if we don't accept ourselves, because that's, that's part of the, the, the gateway, the door opening to a new version of ourselves. If we don't accept who we are and begin to create like this evolutionary wholeness within ourselves, we just remain stagnant and stuck in past versions of ourselves. And generally, that's depression, that's anger at self, that's sadness, that's apathy, that's isolation. That is a killer. That is a killer to our nervous system, to our health, and to our relationships. So we talked about the coping mechanism of acceptance and the 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 positive that can come from being broken open. How would you coach a couple on the breakup process? I understand you you it's rare that you that this type of work that you don't only work with couples that are advancing a relationship, but if I understand correctly, you also work on healthy breakups. Can you, can you talk about that? Oh, yeah. I think that that's, especially if you have kids, um, but regardless, having a healthy breakup, it's often called a conscious uncoupling, is incredibly important because it, it makes moving on so much easier and it makes healing the heartache so much easier as well because you're not dealing with anger and resentment that arises in the breakup. So when we coach couples, we encourage both to do what I said earlier, take 100% responsibility for their 50%. So in a breakup, the tendency is to go into blame. The tendency is to go into what the other person did wrong and how we're victimized or hurt by it. And to break up in a healthy way, we need to look at what we brought to the party how we contributed, because on some level, like, we've contributed. Now, a caveat to that would be an abusive, narcissistic, toxic relationship. But on some level, we got ourselves into it, right? And that usually comes from low self-worth or issues from our childhood. So we've got to take 100% responsibility for doing our healing work around why we ended up in a relationship like that. But back to a, a conscious breakup. So... We have each person really look at, you know, what they, what they brought to the relationship, what they appreciate. Because starting with appreciation is, is so pivotal to begin with because when you can start with appreciation, it moves you out of blame and victimhood very quickly. So looking at what you really appreciate, what you learned from each other. Because just because a relationship ends doesn't mean it was a failure. This was a really important thing for me to understand with my divorce. I felt so ashamed. I felt like such a failure that I couldn't, quote, unquote, make my marriage work. And what I learned is what makes a relationship a success is how much we learned from it, not the longevity of it. How much did we learn? How much did we grow? Then what do we need to forgive ourselves for in terms of how we showed up or what we did or our actions? 
What do we need to forgive the other person for? And that what are we grateful for? And then finally, why is it in both of our highest good to end this relationship? And come to some agreement about that. When two people can come to an agreement about why it's in the highest good of both people to complete this relationship and move on, that takes away so much of the anger, so much of the resentment. But if you can do those other things first, the appreciation, the acknowledgement, the learning, the forgiveness, the gratitude, it's much uh, easier to get to, all right, and this is why we're completing this relationship. Yeah, gratitude on, on that note, and let me, uh, uh, I'm going to edit a little bit for content, but re- repeat a question here that we've gotten by text from Sherry from Dix Hills, New York. Uh, she writes that, in my case, the heartbreak was my fault. I am the one who screwed up. Knowing this makes it so much harder to heal and accept any help. Being hard on yourself is only going to perpetuate more of that pain. And so when we're working with clients and when I'm working with an individual as well, I want them to be able to feel those very big feelings, but in a very safe way. So that means safety in their nervous system, so they're not in fight or flight, freeze or fawn, safety in their their psychology, so that they are engaged in more hope, they have greater awareness, they're awakened to a possibility that is outside of this doom and gloom that they're facing now. And so the way, the way through is through. So there's a, there's a, there's a story about um, buffaloes. And when the storm is coming, the buffalo huddle together and they move towards the eye of the storm to get through the storm quicker. If we avoid these very big feelings, yes, they're uncomfortable, yes, they're painful, but if we avoid them, all we do is suppress them. And we suppress them in that unconscious self. Remember all the millions and billions and trillions of bits of information we're processing, right? If we don't attend to that consciously, it just remains stuck there. So we have to feel those very big feelings. And you may have to just feel, okay, it's my fault. Okay, I'm really suffering. Okay, I I did this. Well, what can I change? But in order to right. even so get to that, you have to feel. Accepting the pain isn't, isn't making it go away. It's just it's living with it. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's also, and I've been there, so I speak directly to this question because I've, I've been there when I've just been beating myself up so much. And, you know, regret is taking information we have now and going into the past and beating ourselves up for it when we didn't have that information. Mm-hmm. Even though your current day self thinks you could have done better, you have to accept that you did the best you could at the time. And the, the best thing you can do in this situation where you feel like you screwed it up and it's your fault is to really ask, what am I learning? What am I learning from this? And how am I going to use this, this pain, not to beat myself up, not to make this worse by being so hard on myself, but how am I going to find enough self-love inside of me to ask, what am I learning from this? So that in my next relationship, in my next love, I don't have to go through this again because there is a reason for everything. And even though this person may feel like she screwed it up and it's all her fault, there, there, there's a deeper reason why it ended up the way it ended up. But if she keeps, if she stays in regret and keeps going into shoulda, coulda, woulda, she's going to get stuck in that place and not be able to move forward. So the momentum out of that stuck place is to really ask, what am I learning from this? And that will help move her forward. And deep That's great advice. 
We're going to take a, a break to participate in this conversation on the alchemy of heartbreak and disappointment with Steph Sefandos and Christine Hassler. You can call in at 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090. You can also text a question if you're shy about being on the air at 917-428-4062. Oscar Wilde said the heart was made to be broken. So that's our, uh, that's, that's our guide. There's positive. There is growth. Uh, there, is, there is meaning even in heartbreak. We'll be right back. Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. Back on equal footing, I'm Dove Tuzman. We're talking about heartbreak and disappointment. Our guests, master coaches and facilitators, and love relationship therapists, Christine Hassler and Steph Sifandos. Steph and Christine, we've been talking about the perspective of having a broken heart, living through disappointment. I'd like to flip to the other side for a moment. And if we could give some words of wisdom to the heartbreakers, <laughs> you know, though we've, we've, many of us have been on both sides of that situation in life. And when, when we're letting someone down, when we feel, uh, we're, we're, we've fallen out of love and we break up with someone or we've violated the confidence of a loved one and the relationship has shattered as, as a result. Is there growth there? Is there anything to glean? What's the consciousness to have? What's the, what's the lesson to learn as a heartbreaker? I think the, the lessons are multitude, and I've, I've been here a great deal myself, and there's a great deal of shame that comes with that. But for so long, I ignored it. I pretended I wasn't doing that, and I hid and, and lived in the shadows. And so from that perspective, I thought, well, I'm not breaking anyone's heart because what someone doesn't know doesn't hurt them. And I really took life in that way. I approached life in that way, which was very selfish. And when all of that for me came to a head and that I started to unpack all of that, there was a great deal of shame and pain and guilt and resentment towards myself and 
towards my parents as well because I started wanting to blame other people because I didn't want to take responsibility. I still didn't want to take responsibility. The ego will do that. Sometimes it's easier to blame others than accept that responsibility, responsibility for self. And so really what I had to do was sit in that. And again, I had to sit in that in a safe way. I had to have professional support. But I also had to be in that on my own. I purposely took, uh, you can call it a hero's journey, but you, you can call it a journey into self. And part of that was solitude and observation and reflection and experiencing the sorrow and the forgiveness of self and the shame, the gamut of emotions that I had to move through that I was suppressing for, for so, so long. But it turned out that it opened up your heart even more. And opened up my heart massively because I allowed myself to feel. Yeah, and I think that one thing, you know, speaking of Steph's wife, you know, he is open about ways he's been unfaithful or deceitful in the past and past relationships, and that was a big wake-up call for him. And because he went into that shame and did that work, he is so trustworthy now. Like, I knew when I married him that he had worked through that. And I have such deep trust because it's not like he's followed the rules his whole life and so therefore he earns my trust. It was that he he was the heartbreaker and he was deceitful in past relationships and he went in and learned from that and healed that and really saw that the person he was hurting the most was himself acting in those ways like it was it's hurting himself the most and he he knows he never wants to go there again and so i feel a deep sense of safety and trust knowing that i I have a partner who's who's been down that road and know he doesn't want to go back again so i think when we are the heartbreaker if we're willing to let go of the shame and look at what really is underneath our actions because even when we're the heartbreaker What's underneath those actions is the desire for love and right. insecurity, and it's not because we are pathological, we want to hurt someone. It's coming from our own wounds and our own insecurity. And when we go and do the work we've been talking about and become that great partner to ourselves, it's like we then can step into our next relationship with such an open heart and so much more trust- trustworthy. You know, I really encourage the listeners to... Uh, visit your sites, which we'll put in the show notes, and to explore the other work that you guys have done, because this show is about heartbreak and disappointment. You, you do such wonderful work on allowing couples to grow better together and to really um, unleash the, the, the power of the relationship, just to tease at that a little bit and to entice uh, listeners to, to do some of that exploration. Uh, I've heard you guys talk about, you know, how to date your future and not your past, which is kind of what you're touching on there. And, and I think that uh, one, of the, one of the questions that I've heard you answer, Steph, is, you know, once, if you're once a cheater, you're always a cheater. And, and you're talking about really once a cheater, not always a cheater, and how your, your evolution um, has brought you to, you know, grow, real uh, personal growth that you wouldn't have had if you hadn't gone through the pain yourself and the pain that you caused in the past. And I, I really identified with that um, as well as someone that has also went through a significant period of my life where I uh, was not faithful in relationships. And it's probably, someone asked me the other day about, like, what, what I was felt most guilty about, I'm paraphrasing, you know, in my life. And, and that was it. The, the immediate thing that came to mind, despite 
lots of other issues in, in, in my life that, that I've either been, uh, you know, accused of or punished of before. The thing that, that I was never formally punished for, uh, but really uh, stood out for me is, was, you know, infidelity. And to know that you can kind of, you know, move, move past that and to hear your, your work in that area was, was powerful. But I don't want to let you off the hook. And I want to go back, um, Christine, to what you were, you were just talking about. And what about the, or maybe Steph, that, that uh, you'll, you'll lead us on this because I think you were the one who was talking about your lived experience in this regard. What about this situation where you're not breaking someone's heart because of a transgression? because of a violation of confidence or infidelity or whatever contract you have in that relationship, but rather because you're just not feeling it. You, you're not at the same place the other person's at. You can't, in, in integrity and honesty, you can't give the person what they, want to, what they want. One person says, I love you. The other, you know, is not prepared to, to say that, doesn't feel that. What about that? Is that also an area for growth? How do you advise the heartbreaker in that situation? Because you don't want them to be dishonest, right? You don't want to encourage someone to lead someone down the garden path in a relationship. Yeah, there's going to be some element of discomfort in hurting someone else, especially if you're not a sociopath or a psychopath. There's going to be an element of this is really uncomfortable and I want to avoid hurting someone because how are they going to see me? What's their perception of me going to be? This is an evolutionary thing that's embedded within us to, to remain in in social good standing, right? And if we do something or say something to upset someone, even if it's our truth, there's a reluctancy to do that. So we want to we look at well, how far down the rabbit hole does that go? Have you got a pattern for all your life hiding yourself and people-pleasing and wanting to make sure that everybody else is okay but not really looking after yourself and then therefore developing a habit, a neurological pattern but a behavioral pattern around hiding yourself and not telling the truth and maybe making it, maybe creating circumstances in the relationship where they break up with you because that's that's easier for you or that's there's a greater relief there. So I really want to unpack that with the person. Yes, there's a there's a normal amount and a healthy amount of, oof, I don't want to hurt this person because I'm going to feel terrible. And how far back does that go? So for me, I was that person as well. That's why I lived in the shadows. I didn't want to hurt people, so I did what I did and was who I was in the shadows where no one would know about that. Right. And so I had to look at that pattern because that was one of the foundational patterns that was driving the behavior. And so now in our relationship, Christine and I have very challenging conversations sometimes, but it comes from love. And I know from very direct visceral experience that it is far safer and better to tell the truth and get very clear on where you are as an individual and then give that that your partner, give that person an opportunity to say, thank you for speaking your truth. Yes, this hurts. Because we often can't take their pain because we haven't dealt with our own. So we don't know how to hold someone else's pain because right. we can't hold our own because we're always avoiding it. But right. when you give the, the opportunity to a person to say, wow, thank you for being honest with me, they then get to choose what they want to do. Now, very blessed are we, Christine and I, where we trust each other deeply and we know that we are in this for the long run, our relationship, and we want to be in this and grow together, no matter what the conversation is, no matter what the differences that we face. We want to come from a safe place and we want to come from a loving place with each other. And so setting those intentions from the beginning in a relationship, if you're not feeling something or something doesn't feel right to you, faking it or pretending it, you're doing a disservice to your partner. And it's fake and false and it's got, you're going to build a shit ton of resentment. And that's yeah. not healthy. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand that, that in, in situations where someone is uh, being unfaithful, it's often there's a dynamic of not wanting to, to hurt, not having the courage to, to exit and so forth. So I'm glad you brought that up. I want to, uh, let's get a caller on who's been very patient. I think we've got Stan from Forest Hills on the line, if I'm not mistaken. Can you hear me? Hey, can Stan, me? how are you? Can you hear me? Okay. We can. Can you hear me okay? We can. Go ahead. Okay, okay. The worst kind of love. The worst is the unrequited love. The mm-hmm. worst is the love you never tell someone that you love them. Never. And let them go out of your life. That is the worst physical effect on the human body. When you, I know, because that happened to me. I have a picture of this woman from 40 years ago. I, uh, she worked in my office. We worked at a company. And she worked about three or four years. We all used to go out at night after work, drinks, this and that, then we go down, whatever. I never told her I lied. I was crazy about her and never said mm-hmm. a damn word in four years. It wasn't until the very end when she said, I'm leaving the company, and we all went out, had a little party, that I had the nerve. I, it was unbelievable. I still get shaky about it. I had the nerve to tell her that I hated to see her go and that I loved her, and I started to cry. And to me, I said to myself, oh, God, I'm breaking up here. And it's like, and that's exactly what happened. And I walked out. And I have a picture of this woman from 40 years ago. Still have it. She was married. She, her husband died, I found out. And then she met a couple of years later. She married a, a German banker, so situation. In my mind, I didn't think I was up to her pay grade or up to her. That was my thinking. But... The worst type of love, and I had heartbreak. I lost 30 pounds, and I just, you know, went into myself. This, to me, was the worst type of love, and never told her. To this day, never told her. And my friend said, why don't you go who worked there? He said, why don't you tell her? Even if, I said, at least if, if she says no, you'll know. I said, I didn't even want to do that because I was so scared of the answer. Had she not so let's, let's get, go ahead. I appreciate your question. Yeah, uh, let's get into that. And Steph, what do you what do you actually you, you took the last one? Let Christine, <laughs> you're you're that you're that woman from mm-hmm. you know what forty plus years ago. And Stan, I really appreciate you opening up. That was really beautiful, uh, and 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 I'm sure took some courage to to open up about. You're that woman from 40 years ago. Who knows what you would feel if you were told that by by Stan? We don't know what her feelings were, but is it is it or not a requisite? But is it spiritually advisable to to to, to unload? I mean, should should Stan in his in his current reality, you know, um, mm. go to say something, no matter whatever situation you're in in your life? Is is it okay for things to go unsaid? Well, you know, I don't think that that anyone can answer that for Stan other than Stan, but I will say in my own experience, my own life, and in working with clients, the the unknown is far more difficult to deal with than the known. Like knowing something and then dealing with it is easier than never, ever, ever knowing and having to struggle between both possible outcomes in your brain for all eternity. 
Right. And I, I feel Stan because unrequited love was my story for so long and so many times. And it's so painful and it aches and you just want the other person to feel like you do. Yeah. You know, if I were in Stan's shoes, I may, I may try to reach out and share it. And, you know, if I were that woman, regardless of how I felt about him, boy, to, to have someone tell you that they've loved you for 40 years, that's going to feel good to your heart. You know, and no matter what her response is, um, that's an incredible thing to hear. And, you know, no matter what, by, by not sharing it, I understand Stan wanting to protect himself from hearing the answer. And I understand his fear and all of that. But I guess, you know, again, if I were in his shoes, I was like, well, is it better just to never know and to never express this and die with this truth and this love in my heart? Or is it better to, to go for and at least express this and then deal with whatever happens from there? Yeah, unrequited love is really at the essence of, of, of heartbreak. We'll be right back for our last segment on Equal Footing. We're talking about the alchemy of heartbreak and disappointment with Christine Hassler and Steph Sifandos. Bring back those nights when I held you beside me. Unbreak my heart Say you love me again Undo this hurt Are you a small or medium-sized business owner who wants to provide a low-cost, effective health benefit for your employees? Maybe a school administrator who wants to ensure all of your students have the proper vaccines. Or maybe you're a parent trying to keep your family's medical records up to date. Well, welcome to DocuVax, an easy-to-use digital locker accessible on your laptop or smartphone that allows you to safely store and validate basic medical information, including immunization records, lab results, even x-rays and MRIs. Gone are the days of losing time tracking down old medical records or sharing test results with a new healthcare provider. That DocuVax system covers over 60 different important elements of your medical profile, from COVID and tetanus vaccines to colorectal and breast cancer screenings to blood types and allergies. To sign up, go to www.docuvax.com or call 833-859-1933. For as little as $5.99 per month, DocuVax subscribers can privately access all of their individual medical records from a secure, HIPAA-compliant digital storage facility as a subscriber, you have DocuVax medical professionals on call 24 hours a day to validate your vaccine records, blood tests, or anything else in your medical locker. So sign up to DocuVax at DocuVax.com or call 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. All right, we're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tuzman. We're talking about the alchemy of heartbreak and disappointment. Our guests this evening are Christine Hassler, the best-selling author on the issue of expectation hangover, overcoming disappointment in work, love, and life. Steph Sifandos, who's a relationship and love coach, merges Eastern and Western methodologies to promote spiritual balance 
and empower people in life and love. Steph, Christine, we're going to take one. We have a bunch of text questions, but we're coming up in the hour. Take one text question here, and then I want to wrap up this discussion with the last question for, for the both of you. So Miriam writes, my question is how to move past and on from a friendship or relationship that you hoped would progress without getting any closure or understanding from the other person. Christine. Oh. <laughs> you want to go first? Hey, <laughs> well, I was going to let Steph take this one since I took the last one. You want to take this one, then? Sure. Yeah. Sure. So we often seek uh, closure outside of ourselves, and we think that if someone gives us an answer or a response to how we feel, we want, we want basically want people to make us feel better. And so often people can't give us closure, and enough will never be enough because what we want and what they want is different. We want to move in and lean in and pursue and expand the relationship, but the other doesn't. So no matter what they say, whatever reason they give us or reasons, at some level it won't be enough, and so chasing that is empty. And so what I would say is really seek closure within yourself. Come back to self-love. Come back to self-acceptance. Nurture yourself. Surround yourself with really healthy people. Seek help. Speak about the issues that you're that you're facing. Feel the feelings of despair. Allow yourself to feel in a safe way. Art therapy is a is a great um, release. Breath work is a great release. Journaling. Journaling. There's other other psychodynamic therapy you can engage in. Whatever it may be, you know, trauma release exercises. And when I say trauma, I, I really mean that on a very broad scale. Trauma can be very overt and intense, big T trauma, and trauma can be little T trauma as well. That is far more subtle but if you're hurting and in pain that's a form of trauma so you have to deal with that and probably not seek answers outside of yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. often we look to that other person for closure when this is back to what we were talking about earlier being a healthy partner to yourself finding that closure inside of you because you know really i've never not never but it's rare that someone goes and talks to their former partner and gets closure from them closure is really an inside job yeah. I love that your approach of no victimhood, the power of healing and acceptance, even in pain, comes from within. We've just got about a minute left. I can't stop. I can't leave the show without uh, quoting the favorite, my favorite quote I found in the research on this topic, which is Miss Piggy speaking to <laughs> her frog. So only time can heal your broken heart, just as only time can heal your broken arm and, arms and legs. <laughs> <laughs> so before we break on the, on the, that note, uh, give la- one la- you know in, in in our final minute here the last piece of advice to someone that is just in the abyss that is in the darkness of heartbreak that is feeling maximum level pain. Mm. Send you know, maybe close your eyes and give that person mm. a couple last words of wisdom. Well, I would say I've been there, and this pain won't last forever, and use this opportunity to fall deeply, deeply in love with yourself, because although you may not have that person, you still have you, and find that love between you and you. That will get you through. And I would add, nurture yourself during the process. Mm -hmm. Really nurture yourself. Be kind to your body. Be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. Steph, Christine, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Blessings. Stay safe. And we'll see everyone next week. Thanks for having us.